I'm a grind and What's up everybody, my name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new, something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard. As always, y'all know me, I'm Sid. What's going on, Reg? Sid, what's up, my man? Long week, bro, and the week just over. Very long week, Fred. Uh, so today we're going to come to y'all uh, on some NFL stuff, as always, a little bit of NBA stuff. Uh, we're going to start with tackling uh, the upcoming offseason for the Indianapolis Colts after they've acquired Carson Wentz uh, and gotten what I, I know I think is going to be their quarterback for the next 10 years. So we're going to talk about their offseason. We're going to touch on some NBA stuff. Uh we touched on the Lakers last week and how they were going to be able to make it through this Anthony Davis injury. So we'll touch on that a little bit more. And DeMarcus Cousins officially got released today. So he's free to go wherever he wants to. So we'll touch on that as well. Um, but let's start with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, as I stated, they made news last week by finally getting the Carson Wentz done something that we were expecting for a damn near two months, honestly. Right. Um, so they have their quarterback. They were already uh, – did they make the playoffs last year or they missed it? Uh, no, they okay, made. they did make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So they were a playoff team just this past season. Of course, Phillip Rivers retired, so you needed a replacement there. We got on here. We talked about Jacoby Brissett. We talked about Cam Newton. They went out and got Carson Wentz. Um, did we discuss that the fit for him in Indianapolis last we week did. on the show? We, we did. did. Right. Mm -hmm. And we both agreed that that was probably the best fit for him, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. All right. So now it comes down to filling out everything else around them. Um, I see that they're, what, fourth in the league right now in cap space. Mm -hmm. uh, they have about $43 million available to them. Mm -hmm. They have a good amount of players that need to be resigned, but none of them are none of them are life changing if they don't bring them back from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. uh, so what do you think their uh or who do you think their eyes would be set on going forward? Uh inside uh amongst the players that they need to be resigning and players who are just available uh going into the free agency. So first things first, uh, when you think of the success of the Colts, you think that defense that it'll achieve. Uh, you know, I was a huge Xavier Rhodes fan a couple years ago when he was, uh, you know, ending his days with, with Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. And he was able to come to that defense and I don't want to say be one of the better corners in the league, but uh, what they asked him to do, which was to play a lot of zone, um, he looked great with the Colts. Uh, and I know that they have to be wanting to bring him back. They got him for a bargain this mm -hmm. past season. Um, and now I know that he's going to be looking probably to double um, what he made this past season uh, in the future, even if it is for another one-year deal. Um, so you definitely have to address your corner situation because, you know, they're, they're, just to begin with, their secondary is not uh, great or whatnot. Uh, and then, of course, you have uh, Darius Leonard when you talk about guys who you have to re-sign. Now, he's not due a new deal um, yet. He has mm -hmm. one more. This will be his final year. No, I'm sorry. He has two, two more years, I believe, on his four-year deal. This was only his second year, so he has uh, two more years. However... The way he's played, you wouldn't want to even begin uh, to go down this road of, um, you know, contract um, talk and negotiations as the season go on. Uh, they definitely should make it a priority to go ahead and get this guy uh, signed up right now, uh, being uh, the cornerstone, being the gem of that defense. Um, far as resigning anyone else, right? Now we drop yeah. down to the, the T.Y. Hiltons uh, of their organization. Uh, you got Carson Wentz. Um, you have to give him weapons. And definitely need another another receiver. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to look in, look into Carson Wentz's career when he was in Philly. And the one thing that he used, the one position he used a lot was the tight end position. I definitely think the Colts need, whether it's in draft free agency or however, trade, whatever, they have to address their tight end uh, position. They Got Trey uh, Burton over there thinking that he would 
somewhat fill a role. It was a bust. And they're still looking for a tight end. So uh, if I'm the coach, I'm, I have to resign Leonard. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Darius Leonard, but I also have to give Carson Wentz some needed offensive skill positions to make, give him a fair chance to succeed uh, with the coach. When I look at the players who they have in house already, the players they need to bring back, mm -hmm. uh, about four or five of them I look at and say, you got to bring that person back because that person actually matters in a sense. Okay. Who, who are those, who's those guys? We're going to start with Jacoby Brissett, somebody who's been in the system, who's a solid quarterback, especially if, you know, a backup. He would be considered, I'm sure, one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. Okay. Uh, go ahead and keep him in house. Um, Malik Hooker at mm -hmm. safety. Mm -hmm. Got to you got to keep Malik Hooker there like that. that. You no just problem. talked about how that secondary already isn't that great. Yeah. He's probably the best part of it. Yeah, no problem. Um, the punter, Ryan Allen, mm -hmm. you know, go, <laughs> keep your punter. <laughs> um, so that's what, three? This, the other guy I was looking at was Denico Archery, the end. Yeah. Justin Houston move on from him like he gave you what he had but you they overpaid for him to and i was just i was yeah. just about to say that so if if he's expect if he's coming back for cheap great bring him back mm -hmm. but if he's expected yep. anything that he was mm -hmm. getting beforehand he can go somewhere else and find it if yep. i'm the coach i agree i agree so you, so you keep archery and you figure out what the market is for marlon mack Marlon Mack was real solid before he got hurt last year, uh, but everything he's given them before last season had been real solid. Mm -hmm. um, but, once again, but once again, now you have Jonathan Taylor. Um, you still have Naheem Hines. So once mm -hmm. again, if you don't bring him back, it's not it's killing, not but right. you could get him back on a reasonable deal. You definitely bring him back. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with you with the tight end position. Um Jack Doyle, uh, Ali Cox, and what Trey Burton. That was their three tight ends last year. I mm -hmm. think the only one they have going uh, on the contract going into next year would be Jack Doyle, mm -hmm. um, who isn't – I don't understand how he got paid the way he did in the first place. Well, I understand why because of Andrew Luck, but right. he's not a guy who's really a true number one tight end uh, right. to be relying on, especially for a guy like – Hell, Phillip Rivers last year, who loves to depend on tight ends, mm -hmm. he wasn't a guy Phillip Rivers could really depend on. Right. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the coach look at Zach Ertz being out there on the market and trying to bring in a guy like him. Um, I don't think this is a great tight end market in general. Correct. So that may be the their best option. Um, T.Y. Hilton is a guy who's still, I'm quite sure, looking for decent money on the market. If I'm the coach, I would look at one of the younger guys who's available, Definitely. even if you have to overpay a little bit Definitely. for Chris Godwin uh, or uh, Allen Robinson, you know, any of those guys that we talk about being at the top of um, the free agency wide receivers this year. Um, they have the 21st pick in the draft. It's going to be kind of interesting to see where they go with that pick because I could see a wide receiver still being around around 21. Mm -hmm. That could really uh, benefit them. But once again, we talked about their secondary cornerbacks and safeties. Uh, there should be a, a group of them there for them to take, too. So that's definitely going to be interesting. But I feel like the Colts are in a really good spot uh, right now uh, because, for one, you got your quarterback. And I, once again, I think we agreed on this last week. If anybody can get Carson Wentz back to – Anywhere close to where he was the MVP season is Frank Wright. Correct. So, so that's that's the biggest thing. And once again, you were already a playoff team. Mm -hmm. So you hope that this Carson Wentz thing only makes you better. And then once again, it's just about building around him, which you have the money to do, and you don't have real glaring needs. Right. So I think they're in a, a great position to have a successful offseason and put them in a position – were you in the AFC South? Like you can you yeah. can go win the AFC South next year. Yep. And we agreed on a lot of things. Uh, the only the only disagreement that I, I had is I want to put emphasis uh, almost like what you did uh, with Houston. I'm not overpaying for him. Uh, if you look at his production last year, it was so so. 
You can definitely upgrade. The only way I want to let him out house is if I can for surely upgrade that position. I don't want to allow him to walk and then try to bring someone in that's going to replace him and make it six to eight sacks uh, kind of injury prone, kind of like how he was before his his uh, days with the Colts. Uh, so I definitely think that, that that's a position that they were prioritized to actually upgrade at. And Carson Wentz, you uh, you think that they have their quarterback of the future, and I'm not too certain about that. If he plays four or five years with the Colts, whatever, cool, I can see that. Uh, Ten years, I don't. Uh, I don't think that they are sold necessarily on Carson Wentz's ability to lead a team. I think that it's more like a safe, we have our quarterback who our coach is comfortable with. Our coach knows what he needs to be successful. And this guy, want, he wants to be under this guy's leadership. So to me, it made all the sense to trade for him. Um, however, I'm not sold as a fan uh, for 10 years. And you also spoke about, it was one other thing. It was one other thing you touched on. While you think about it, let me address that one then. Uh, the, so I see him being there 10 years plus because I see Frank White, Frank Reich being there 10 years plus. As mm-hmm. we discussed, this is a team that was in the playoffs last year. They're a very solid team from top to bottom. They can only get better going forward. As long as they keep getting better, they keep making the playoffs. As long as you win a game, your quarterback is going to remain most likely. Mm-hmm. So if if we're pending – and which in most cases, your quarterback success is tied to your head coach. Then mm-hmm. they're tied together. Yeah. I can see it being 10 years of Frank Wright Carson Wentz winning 10 games a season in Indianapolis. Going I got through. you. I got you. And it, that's what it was. Speaking of quarterbacks, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, you you kind of said that they definitely need to bring him back. That's a kind of tricky situation to me because as of right now, I think they sit at forty. I think it was forty five million that I that I seen earlier today. But uh, they have a likelihood of releasing someone, so you might as well say that the cap is about forty eight to fifty million dollars. Yeah. Uh, right now, and I'm then of sure. course we don't know exactly what the salary cap is still. Yeah. Uh, right. see, that could that could go up. Correct. Uh, but I'm not sure if I'm if I'm it makes sense to bring him back because, of course, he knows the system and all that good stuff, whatever, whatever. Cool. However, you know, he wants his shot to start. You know, he's looking to to at least compete. Them trading for Carson Wentz is not saying that we're giving you a chance to compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, he this dude has the greatest attitude ever. He makes millions of dollars doing QB sneaks and he love it. Uh, he never frowns, but you know he's waiting on his opportunity to play. So um, I'm not sure if they can even talk him into uh, even thinking about staying and saying you're our guy if Carson Wentz goes down. Like we just traded for the dude, so you know why why would we be looking at it that way? And I guess my rebuttal to that would just be me and you talked about quarterbacks specifically, just quarterbacks about two weeks ago, and. Neither one of us ever brought up Jacoby Brissett's name. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a market out there for Jacoby Brissett starting quarterback. I think he's going to be a backup regardless of where he goes. Uh, and you know how it is with the man. These guys get to one place, most likely they want to stick there. He's comfortable in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they paid him nicely the last go round to mm-hmm. be or to compete to be a starter. And I was about to say that was the difference I felt. I felt last year. They signed Phillip Rivers. Cool. Mm-hmm. They just traded for a quarterback, mm-hmm. which means, like, you're looking at it. We see ourselves tied to this guy for the rest of his career, uh, at least the, the better part of his, his career. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Anyway, yeah. Correct. So, and he's definitely, when, he, when I say leave, it's not just I'm leaving to go start because, like you said, the market isn't there necessarily mm-hmm. for him. However, there may be a market for him to compete for a starting job. It may be a market where, okay, uh, I have a better chance at getting paid and the likelihood of playing elsewhere. And I definitely could see that uh, come up, you know, for the Colts and, and Brissett. But we, what, no matter how it go, they can definitely address the, the backup quarterback situation. Yeah, and once again, like, I don't, I don't see there being a market for him. I guess 
theoretically, of course, something can always happen to yeah. where it is. There mm-hmm. could be the Patriots come calling, hey, come mm-hmm. on back to New England and let's, mm-hmm. you know, give it a shot. So there's definitely opportunity, but I think I knowing well, not knowing him, but seeing him over the years and uh like you say, man, that's a guy who's not gonna complain. He's gonna get in, he's gonna do his job, he's he's not, you know, outrageous or anything like that. I can definitely see him all right, let me stick around with the Colts and, and yeah. see what we can go from there. Yep. So, you, we're on topic about the Colts. Um, the only thing that we kind of disagree on so far is really the Carson Wentz thing, which is nothing new. Yeah. Uh, so, let's talk, in the, let's talk about the free agents, and we know the, the Colts' holes that they have to fill on their teams, uh, positions that they can definitely uh, stand to upgrade. Who are some free agents that may be out there that, you know, when their name come to your mind, you say, you know what, the coach can definitely use that guy. And we're going to go, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start what we just talked about just a few minutes ago when we're looking at the wide receivers that's uh, available. Um, any of those top, what, five or six guys? I think would be a perfect fit for the Colts, whether you're looking at Chris Godwin, uh, Juju Smith, uh, Corey Davis, um, like I said, Allen Robinson, like any of those guys uh, who I feel most of them, Juju is kind of a toss-up right now, but the rest of them are really number one receivers. Uh, Which T.Y. Hilton is, but once again, if if you're going to pay T.Y. Hilton average wide receiver money, go ahead and get you a a true number one that's going to last you for longer and one of these other guys. Um, so Chris Godwin would be my number one target if, definitely. I'm, if I'm the coach. I could definitely see them making a big push at him. Mm-hmm. Um, the second guy I would be looking at is Trey Hendrickson. We just talked about uh, Houston being gone, and I said bring back Archery as a safety blanket just in case you can't get anybody else. But you gotta make you gotta make a push at one of these pass rushers, whether it's Trey Hendrickson, Shaquille Barrett, um, any of those guys like that, because. Once again, if you're letting if you're letting Houston walk, which once again you should, if the money not right, mm-hmm. then you're gonna have to find somebody to replace him and hopefully give you better production than what he's giving you. Um, so I would look at, like I say, Trey Hendrickson, Shaquille Barrett, and guys in the interior. When you're looking at guys who's gonna become available, like Sheldon Rankins, um, uh, and guys like that. He's another one. Yeah, good pick over there. So wide receiver and that D-line um, or pass rusher, whichever way you want to look at it, those would be the first two positions I would think that they would they would start reaching out to. Um, I think we agree on the secondary market. It's not it's not outstanding this year. There are players out there to be had that can be solid and start for you. But like I say, I if I'm the coach, I think at 21, I'm really looking to take a corner. If a corner's not really that I really like, then let me get a safety. Um but as soon as free free agency opens, I'm making those calls to that to those DNs, pass rushers and wide receivers. Definitely. I totally agree. Um it seemed like doing this show, we agree so much now versus just phone conversation. <laughs> uh, but if I'm the coach, I, I, re- I refuse to even imagine uh, Trey in anything besides black and gold. However, if I'm the coach, I'm, I'm definitely on the horn trying to get him over there. That makes all the sense in the world. Now, far as the receiver go, I don't like Juju over there. Uh, the only two receivers that I want, if I'm the coach, is Godwin, which they probably going to step up to the plate and offer $20 million mm-hmm. uh, per year. And uh, the next guy is Allen Robinson, yeah. uh, that they probably step up and pay 16 to $18 million for. Uh, outside of those two guys, I don't want a Corey Davis. I don't want a Juju. Not because they're not good at what they do. They're just not true number ones. Until Michael uh, Pittman can come around and show, hey, I'm here, I'm for real, have a complete season of, I don't want to say dominating, but being productive. Um, I think if you're the coach, you you, you don't want to go into uh, the season feeling like you have two comparable number two receivers. You want that threat. And my my thing about that is when you look at an Allen Robinson, for sure, um, he's more of a possession receiver. 
uh, these days. And Michael Pittman is too. Michael Pittman is going to be a possession receiver. I don't want my top two guys being possession receivers. That's why, like I say, Chris Godwin will absolutely be my number one. And if you can't, then you try to then you bank on the progression of a Michael Pittman, and you add a speedster kind of like a Corey Davis or um, what's another guy that uh, Will Fuller I think Will is available, available. Yeah, a, yeah. a guy like that. Yeah. yeah. And but see the thing about Allen Robinson is I don't think he get the credit that he that he deserves. I'm not trying to get off topic with the Colts. He I just don't think he get the credit that he deserves. Versus number one DBs, the last last year, the year before last, he always does good against him. Like, yeah. I understand he's not a speedster, but mm-hmm. he's a, a exceptional route runner and he has phenomenal hands. Absolutely. I think uh, his lack of QBs is reasons that other NFL fans may not know him to be such a great receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, um, when I'm watching him versus Lattimore, who had a great year, he was one of those receivers that kind of worked Lattimore a little yeah. bit. Um, you know, but I just think if he gets with a quarterback, not saying that Carson Wentz is top five, yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, Carson Wentz probably um, maybe. Let me think about it before I go on the stretch. Maybe the best quarterback in a sense that uh, he's played with. I'm trying to think of who we was he there for Cutler the end of Cutler with the uh, he, he had Jacksonville he had um, uh, Blake Bortles in I Jacksonville forgot, I forgot he was in Jacksonville yeah I yeah Jacksonville and um, he came over with Mitch Trubisky in Chicago yeah yeah so he would definitely be the best quarterback he's played with thus far. Um, and once again, I'm not knocking Allen Robinson. I, I like Allen Robinson, but like I said, I don't like the idea of two possession receivers. If I'm if I'm going to be paying a number one as a number one, and I already have a guy like Michael Pittman, who I want to be my number two, mm-hmm. I need more of a – I need somebody who has some type of speed to him. He ain't got to be okay. – he doesn't have to be John Ross or Will Fuller, but Chris mm-hmm. Godwin's speed is enough to make that difference, you know? I think John Ross is available in free agency as well this year. He is, but I'm not. I'm not sold on him just because of his injuries over the yeah. over the past. You know, ever since oh, he yeah. in the league, honestly. Right. Mm-hmm. Hunter Henry was a guy uh, at the tight end position um, Henry for me. Yes. That, to me, that makes all the sense in the world for the coaches. So many other teams. So many other teams. Mm-hmm. Hunter Henry is one of those guys. I, I can't even call him a sleeper uh, because. People know who he is. He's very productive when healthy. Yeah, uh, that's just another guy that you're banking on. If he's, is he going to stay healthy to actually help us come? You know, end of the season playoff push, yeah. whatever. Will he be there if available? Uh, Hunter Henry is is a great uh, will be a great addition to the Colts. Any other team? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. He's obviously the best tight end available. Uh, and like you say, the only worries you have with him is injuries. Uh, you wonder if he can stay healthy or if you can keep him healthy. And if you think that you can, then he's absolutely worth the money. Like I said, I think he's top five, top six tight ends in the league. Yep. So before we move on uh, from the Colts, um, I spoke about Darius Leonard. What's the max per year you're willing to give him this season if you're the Colts? If you want to go ahead and resign him now. If you want to go ahead and resign him now. So what's the last linebacker that got paid that wasn't a pass rusher? Because, um, of course, that, that sets the market. That that sets the market right there. Can't even think. I'm about to look it up right now. So that's – I see. I, I personally see him as um, – Jalen Smith come to mind. Yeah, I'm not he, sure. He did just get paid, but I don't like, think he maybe was two years ago. All right, so Bobby Wagner is making 18. Mm-hmm. CJ Mosley 17. Zach Cunningham 14. Miles Jack 14. Deion Jones, Shaq Thompson, they all at that 14. Jalen Smith got 12. Mm-hmm. If you can get away with giving Darius Leonard 12, you can get away with first. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> That's not gonna so happen. He, so you you at least giving Darius Leonard 15. Oh, up top. Yeah. You at least giving him 15. Like I said, Bobby Wagner is at the top at 18, and CJ Mosley somehow is getting 17 million dollars a year. I forgot about CJ. Uh yeah, he's getting 17 mil, but everybody else is below 15 million dollars. So you're starting at 15 with Darius Leonard. Yep. 
Darius Leonard is what, 25 maybe? Uh -huh, he may be 25, so you want to lock him up for four or five years. Definitely. I can see him getting at least 17. That's why I can see 17. I actually got my I actually got him maxed out at 18. Uh he's phenomenal, man. Yeah. Uh, top of the line linebacker. He's a stud. He's one of those for sure can't miss guys. Uh, and that's what I got him at uh 17 to 18 million dollars. Yeah, I can see him at 17, yep. And I feel the next player, like I said, who played phenomenal, definitely outplayed his contract. At times he looked at that, looked at like the he looked like the best corner on that team for a stretch with uh being Xavier Rose. If you're the coach, you like what you saw, uh he's a free agent, you only signed him for one year, playing it safe. What's the max value you're willing to go per year for Xavier Rose? So we differ on Xavier Rose. Not that he didn't have a good season. Like you say, he had a phenomenal season for them doing uh, what was asked of him. But I personally would treat him just as a Justin Houston. Mm. There, there's definitely a cap on what I'm willing to pay you off of. The, the same conversation we had with Trey Hendrickson. You know, this is the first year that he's really burst, awesome. you know. Yeah, yeah flashed. And now we gotta now we gotta decide if he's worth paying twelve to fourteen million dollars a year based off of that one season. So yeah, Xavier Rose, he came over here, he fit in our system, he did exactly what we asked him to do. But are we willing to overpay him? Probably not. You don't think so? <laughs> I, I I don't think I wouldn't. I mm -hmm. I wouldn't. I I would probably if I'm the secondary or the defensive coordinator coach over there, I'm probably saying that's my system. He just he just fit well. I can get another guy that's going to fit well, a younger guy that's going to fit well. So if he leaves, right, already in secondary, if he leaves, then that put pressure on you to go get a guy who you feel can do just as much as he's done mm -hmm. or better. So which probably result in you using your first-round pick on the best corner available Mm -hmm. uh, possibly trading for one or uh, overpaying for another corner. Uh, yeah. Patrick Peterson is the first guy that comes to mind. And mm -hmm. I, I'm thinking, uh, who was I just thinking of? A more uh, average corner. Uh, Bradley Roby, I think, is available. But both of those guys are man corner. So you you see what I'm saying? You're going to have to step up and pay. Even Bradley Roby, you're going to have to step up and, and pay. Yeah. So, it's basically like, do you go and what you think? For, what you think for Bradley Roby? What you thinking? More than what he deserves. Um, <laughs> let's say, let's say, let's say he gets twelve. Let's okay. say Bradley Roby gets ten or twelve. Okay. Yeah, I once again you once again you're gonna overpay these guys regardless. Yeah. Um. Xavier Rhodes, he's only 30. I keep imagining that he's a little older than that, but he's only 30. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if you, to me, if you do overpay him, say you you really want to keep him in house, you want to see if he can redo what he did last year, it has to just be a one-year deal again. You have to only roll the dice on him for another one-year deal. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't get into a fight with another team trying to sign him for three, three yeah. years. Yeah. You know? And see, that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, per year, max, I'm not going past $8 million. Max, yeah. need them. I feel like if we have a corner, we're talking Super Bowl if I'm the coach. Uh, it would be great to get them for six. Uh, but I think realistically, I could see someone stepping up and giving him $8 million per year. So instead what did of. What make this past year? Do you know? Oh, it was ridiculous. It was something like. Three, maybe. Oh, okay, okay. They got a low, low. That's what I'm saying. He definitely <laughs> outplayed that contract. So, yeah. Um, him just giving you one season on the low, um, he's definitely going to be looking for a better payday. And like I said, his salary has to double. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Uh, so, if you tell me I have to bite the bullet and sign him up for two years, uh, 16 mil, uh, 10 mil fully guaranteed, whatever the case is, I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Yeah, so I'm looking at now. Bradley Roby made 10 this year. He made mm -hmm. 10. Uh, Malcolm Butler making 12. Yeah, see, man, it's so hard with cornerbacks. Somebody's going to reset the market this year. Jalen Ramsey had got his 20 uh, mm -hmm. what this past year, at the beginning mm -hmm. of this past season. He came in with 20, and uh, Marlon Humphrey with 19. 
um Tredavis White's making 17. He should be <clears throat> more than that. But yeah, so the the cornerback, the cornerback market is definitely gonna be interesting because I, I personally believe that uh our guy is gonna probably reset the market, uh Marshawn Lattimore, uh yeah. this offseason, because they're mm-hmm. gonna go ahead and uh decide to extend him. Yeah. Um so cornerbacks is always a tricky one. Janos Jenkins only made seven mil this year, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I say, man, at Justin Houston, Xavier, uh, Xavier Rhodes, if you could keep him for a decent price, great. Like you say, if you if he's just asking for you to double his last year's salary, sign him up for sure immediately. Like, don't <laughs> even think about it. Yeah. If he's saying six, six, six mil. I can even go eight with you. If he said yeah. six to eight mil, let's do it. Yeah. But I would be cautious of doing it for more than one season. Got you. All right, that's all I have for the coach. Um, um, something me and you talked about off air earlier, which was the Nick Underhill uh, article for ESPN, which was talking about the New Orleans Saints and the three guys that basically uh, the trio that – <laughs> they were looking to have to figure out something with them one way or another this offseason. Those three guys being the guy we just talked about, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Ryan Ramchick, who both are going into fifth-year options. And I'm quite sure everybody involved would like to get a deal hammered out before going into that fifth year. And Teron Armstead, who is finishing up a contract. I think the last contract we gave him was top – Left tackle money, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I want to say he made about left at the time. Well, he was making every the, every year. I know he made up or of of ten slightly, and I think this final year he played out about eleven to twelve million. And I want to say thirty million was fully guaranteed for the contract. Yeah, so we're and all three players, uh, all three of those players, are top of their position, right? Um, so you're looking at what you're looking at. Realistically, $20 million for each of those players is what they could demand on the open market. Demand <laughs> and, and get is two different things. I don't think – I think I, I think for sure Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan, Ryan Ramchick is going to reset the market. Ryan Ramchick definitely. is going to be the highest paid or tied for the highest paid tackle and, in the and league. And he deserves it. He deserves every, every penny of it. He's phenomenal. I think, I think Marshawn Lattimore is going to get – 17 to 20 million dollars. I don't that's, think he falls under that. That's the one that I'm not sure about. I, I definitely think that he's going to get paid. Uh, if he wind up getting 15 to 16 million, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I, but like you said, he have every right to walk in asking for 20 million dollars. He have every right. Mm-hmm. You have to start high. Um, hell, if he want, he can start 22 if he want. But realistically, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying yeah. uh, whether it's us wrapping him up this season, which if we put $16 million in front of his face today, it's hard. It'll be hard to me. It'll be hard for him to walk past that um, and continue to make what he what he would make for his fifth, his fifth option. Um, so I can see us. I, I can see us getting all three guys back for under 50, for $50 million. Yeah. But that's very unlikely, simply because the age and the the injury history for one with Armstead. I love I love Armstead. Yeah. Uh, he still gets the job done. He's very serviceable. He's not a slouch. He doesn't get beat. He, he's not a, a, one of those linemen that's heavily penalized every year. He's phenomenal. Very athletic for a tackle. Yeah. yeah. Even in his draft, even for his draft class, he was the fastest offensive lineman. I want to say he ran like four, six, seven or something like that when, when he yeah. ran the 40. It was something crazy. Um, but he, he's great. And just being a Saints fan, I, uh, you know me, I get emotionally tied to some of these guys. But this is one of the situations where, this, where the guy is actually still productive. It's mm-hmm. just that the financial side of things get into it. Uh, we yeah. spoke off off air, and like you said, I could definitely see a situation where they uh, try to kick Ram to to left tackle. Mm-hmm. It makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, that's the left tackle, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, and if this is the thing, let's say for instance, Andrus Pete was playing tackle 
or could play tackle like we drafted him to do, <laughs> it would make all the sense in the world. It would be a no-brainer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, if one had to go, of course, it's Armstead. I just would hate to see him go. He's been a, a very great player for our organization. He's been very um, professional. Uh-huh. And he's one of the guys you could count on every Sunday. So it would be tough to see him walk. 100%. And like I say, the keeping all three guys is very optimistic at this point. And I'm not going to fall into that trap. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and be willing to part ways with one of them now and save myself some heartache. And like you say, the obvious choice there is Teron Armstead. He's uh, he's the oldest at this point. Mm-hmm. It's too easy to kick Ramchick out to left tackle and go and draft another uh, right tackle, um, yeah. or like you say, try your chances there. No. No. <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. Those days. Try. Try your chances at Pete since you got him for four more, three more years at this point. Bro. Try to figure that out some more. But Toronto Armstead would definitely be he, – he's the guy. Like, you, you're you going to have to move on from him unless he's willing – unless he loves New Orleans enough to come down to 15, you know, less than that. Which maybe like like I say, man, looking at it now, like you say, he averaged about – 11 5 throughout this contract. This last season, he made 16. Wow. Um, he made 16 last year? Yeah, he made 16 this last season. Or he's going to make six, He's going to make 16 this next season. Actually. Okay. Okay. He's going to make 16 this next season. Uh, so if you're telling me, even if you're telling me he just wants to stay around that 15 16 mark, then yeah, let's, let's, let's try to, to yeah. figure that out. But he's definitely the one uh, who's looking like to be the most likely casualty yeah. in in this. And once again, he's one of the best in the league. So the get back for him is going to be good. You're going to get good draft picks back for him if, if that's the way you elect to go. But mm-hmm. like I say, that's not he's not one of those guys you want to let go of easily. Right. Um, so now back to some NBA talk. Unless you had anything else in the field you wanted to touch on. Nope. <laughs> so last week we talked about the Anthony Davis injury and how it would affect the Los Angeles Lakers going forward. Um, since then they've dropped three straight. I want to, yeah, three straight. They've lost three games. They lost to Brooklyn 109 98, Miami 96 94, and last night they lost to Washington in overtime 127 to 124. Um, which Airs on the side of what you were saying last week of them falling further than what I believe that they would uh, in the midst of missing Anthony Davis. Um, but to me, if Schroeder had been playing, those games would have played out differently, at least the last two. The Brooklyn yeah. game, probably not. But right. the Washington game and the Miami game where we lost by one possession – um, I feel like both of those games might have played out differently if Dennis Schroeder was there. I got you. Um, which he's probably going to miss at least because his COVID test came back negative. He still mm-hmm. got to sit out about seven days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's going to miss one more game. We got Utah uh, tomorrow. I think, um, it's, I think it's two more. Well, I, I, think think I think he should be back okay. Friday. Yeah, so tomorrow would be the last game he'd actually miss, which once again is Utah. So as we stand right now, 2016, after losing three straight, um, third in the West right now, but you still got the same record as number two and number four. The mm-hmm. Clippers and the Phoenix Suns. Um, how do you see that? Do you see that as I'm looking at it as well? Schroeder is really what made the difference in those games. Of course, if Anthony Davis is there, then that completely changes everything. But with him not being available, not having Schroeder on top of that is really what sunk those, you know, those three games over mm-hmm. the past five days. That's something else I mentioned to you the other day. The fact that we play in a game every other day ain't yeah. help us in that stretch at all either. Uh, or going forward, because like I said, we play tomorrow, we turn around, we play Friday, and I want to say we play Sunday again. So, this every other day playing ain't really helping us at all either. 
But uh, do you view that the same way as I do? Or is that my fandom getting in the way of things? It's a little bit of both. So it came more down to LeBron James to me. Me just being a LeBron James fan, knowing kind of like his pedigree or whatnot, what causes him to get up, what causes him to kind of take a step back, if you would say. That's more what I thought about it, to be honest with you. Anytime you lose Anthony Davis, of course you're not going to be the same. I hate when people say uh, the Lakers are better defensively without Anthony Davis. Bruh, stop it. Like, I don't care what the stats say. I don't care what the numbers say. That doesn't make sense. Stop it. It's Anthony Davis. He's a defensive player of the year candidate every year. He's great weak side. He got good feet work for a big man. He could play the four. He could play the five. Like, stop it. So, um, yeah, anytime you're missing him, of course your team is going to come down a little bit. Um, but like I said, not having anyone, like that's what I was looking at. You don't have that the guy who I felt like can control the game along with LeBron James. Schroeder uh, is great for what he, what he do. Uh, he, I'm not going to lie. And that's what we differ, because I feel like Schroeder is that guy, and that's what we differ, yeah. He's definitely uh, surpassed my expectations already. I didn't think he would play this well with LeBron James. Yeah. Um, So I have to, you know, take my hat off to him to say he's by far the third best player on the Lakers team at this point. Um, But far as them sinking games, this was more to do with LeBron James to me, even if I, I think even if Dennis Schroeder was there, they may have not lost three in a row. But I think we will still see the Lakers not play up to the level that we assume they would with the loss of Anthony Davis. Um, yeah, and like I say, this is this is about on par for what I imagine without Anthony Davis because mm-hmm. it's what we were seeing with Anthony Davis, you know, because yeah. he wasn't playing that well. It's still us either battling back in third quarters and and, try, and and squeaking out victories or teams battling back on us in third quarters and then squeaking out victories. And the difference between those victories rolling our way and rolling the opponent's way in the past three games, it's easy to point out and say, well, no Anthony Davis, no Dennis Schroeder. Right. If they had one of those guys, it would probably be going the other way. But see, what I see is the, is the defensive side because to me – the Lakers is one of those teams when they decide to get up and play defense, they mm-hmm. do it at a very high level. Uh, so a lot of times when you look up and you see the Lakers playing down to their competition, it's full quarter and they're in a shootout with Phoenix or whatever the case is. Like you just said, last five minutes of a ball game, they kind of, you know, clamp down and they're able to escape with a three, four point victory. And now they're not able to do that. So you remove Anthony Davis altogether from the lineup, the one guy who's going to play a fair amount of defense, who's going to, you know, more than likely make 50% of his shots and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I just don't like, you know, the, the Lakers' chances going forward without him. I don't think that they're one of the better teams. Uh, at some point, LeBron has to struggle. He's been so, so great all season long. At some point, he has to come back down to earth and somewhat play like a 36-year-old a that, that he is. Yeah. Um, and to me, you remove Anthony Davis and boom, the writing's on the wall. Um, you know, LeBron's asked to do more. Um, he has to play a little bit more defense. He can't necessarily control the game the way he wants to far as the energy that he exerts all game long and things of that nature. All that kind of stuff is mostly out of the door when, you know, you don't have another star to count on. Yeah, and like I say, man, it, it's interesting. But see, this is what we get into our arguments here. Yeah. NFL, we agree on a lot. The NBA, that's what we're going to disagree, I see. And yeah, I, I once again, this is an NBA where for the most part, it comes down to who's the best player on the court, unless you're playing Brooklyn. You know, mm-hmm. basically, it comes down to, and LeBron is still that, most mm-hmm. not, in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, when you take away his second and his third option, it's only so much that, that you're going to do. You know, it's only so much that he can do for these to even have ended up being one possession games of the last two. Like I said, the Brooklyn game, I'm not even worried about that. But the Miami Heat game and, and the Washington game, for those to even come down to one possession games, I feel like that's a completely different story if Schroeder is, is in the lineup. You know? I feel you. And see, even the Brooklyn game, I feel like if you have AD, Right. If you have AD that game, you're, you're able to keep it closer. I'm not saying you win. Yeah. yeah you know, absolutely. But 
to be down 20 that early and, you mm-hmm. know, and Brooklyn was making everything that they put up. You yes, know, it was one of them nights where whatever they decide to shoot, they couldn't miss. You yeah. know, um, but with Anthony Davis on the floor, you're able to keep the game closer. You're able to have another star to go through. You, you know, so when four quarter come and you find yourself down maybe 10 at that point or yeah. even if it was 15, whatever, um, it wouldn't have been 25 and all that, you know, stuff it was without mm-hmm. Anthony Davis. You, you, you're kind of, you're closer to rally. But yeah. uh, and, I, and talk- I don't disagree with that. The only the only disagree in general is that's Brooklyn. Like that's that's a team that's going out there and they putting up 140 points a game. Mm-hmm. So and and my thing is let's look at the rest of the NBA. Let's look at the the teams that aren't Brooklyn. Yeah. And is there enough when there's LeBron James and Dennis Schroeder, even though you're missing Anthony Davis, to pull out those victories against those teams? That that yeah, I think, I think they are. Yeah, me too, and and that's all I care about. Like I say, okay. if, if if seven game series was starting tomorrow and we had to go up against the Clippers, then I'm worried. You mm-hmm. know, well, shit, against mm-hmm. most of the teams in the West when I Anthony Davis, <laughs> I'm worried. Clippers, Nuggets, any of those guys. Um, but for these one game sample, yeah, Dennis Schroeder and LeBron James, and whoever's going to show up at the third, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma. Or uh, Taylor uh, Horton Tucker, whoever's going to show up as the third, I'm comfortable in that being enough to win that game. Okay, yeah, and we just disagree there. That that's yeah. definitely where we part ways. Um, and like I said, we'll definitely see. Like I say, tomorrow night should should be the last game Schroeder misses mm-hmm. against Utah, and then we'll be he'll be back, and we'll see what the difference is when it comes to that. Definitely something we'll keep eye on. All right. So DeMarcus Cousins was officially released today to where he can sign with any team, uh, giving him his freedom, which once again was odd to me that they guaranteed his contract. They have nothing but glowing reviews of him, of his 25 games with them this season, but they just want to play smaller basketball, uh, basically something that Houston's been – dedicated to over the past few years for whatever reason. Uh, so the Marcus Cousins is a free agent. Uh, the first reports that I'm seeing is the Lakers are unlikely to pursue him. Or not to – I wouldn't say that. They're unlikely to be a match just because the Marcus Cousins is looking for more playing time than what our Los Angeles Lakers could probably offer him at this point. Um, we talked last week about good landing spots for him. Uh, so let's scratch the Lakers off of that list. Uh, Are we sure that we're scratching the Lakers, though? Because I'm saying of- let's do it. I'm, I'm saying let's do it just because, to me, a team like Brooklyn or uh, Boston, not Boston so much, but there's a good opportunity for him in Boston. If there's, any, if there's any team that we're looking, looking at and saying they need a big man, team is balling right now Mm -hmm. so even though they might not actually have uh, a true chance to contend like the Lakers and Brooklyn I still feel like that's a great situation for him and for that team Um, so just because there are teams that are close enough to the Lakers at this point that can use his services more I, I feel comfortable saying that the Lakers are probably out of it. Like, if he can go get playing time for a team that's still going to be playing uh, close to, you know, conference finals, then he should probably be taking that opportunity, in my opinion. So let's say let's scratch out the Lakers. Uh, I think last last week your top spot for him was Boston, right? Was it Boston? Mm -hmm. And that remains the same. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just like you just spoke about, uh, opportunity and availability. If he mm-hmm. walks through the door, he's probably the best five they have, and they're probably not going to have any min- any choice but to allow him to play the most minutes that it makes sense yeah. that he can handle. So if you're telling me that he's better than what I already have, it's a no-brainer. It's yeah. not like Boston is one of those teams that's going to find themselves outside of the playoffs. Um so it, it just makes sense. It's a safe. It's a safe signing. Um, it's just will he commit 
And yeah. I have no choice but to say yes, knowing his situation. Uh, the, you know, he don't have a whole bunch of opportunities. It's not like everybody's lining up uh, trying to get him. So if Boston, you know, reaches out to him, I have, you know, all the, the hope that he would take advantage of that situation. Okay. And we and we agree on that. I, I, I think Boston is probably – I think Brooklyn is the best place for him, if we're being completely honest. I think Brooklyn is the they over the past month they've signed about every free agent big off the street that they can to try and give them uh some of what they missing in the middle. And obviously ain't none of them working. Uh DeMarcus Cousin is clearly the best uh available at that position. Um I think once again they have they have a championship caliber team, obviously, when you got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, and you can sit one of them on any night and still mm-hmm. put up the same offensive efficiency that you do with all three of them. Um, so adding them to Marcus Cousins just gives them more firepower. Yeah. And it shows up a position of where they're struggling at, but just not as much as a Boston. I think he would still walk in and get – majority of time at center um, for that team. So I honestly do think Brooklyn is probably the best situation for him if they have any money at all to give him, to bring him in. But I Mm -hmm. like Boston better just because, like I said, I think he makes the bigger impact in in Boston. And I think it's going to, like I said, it's going to come down to him being able to reestablish his career. It's not necessarily about winning the title or, uh, going out with a bang, anything of that nature. For him, he's trying to reestablish himself and remind the rest of the NBA and, um, you know, players and teams that, hey, I'm still DeMarcus Cousins. I still can be a serviceable big man. So he has to, to rectify his career in a way, and I think Boston allows him the, better, the best chance of doing that. And I don't even really think that's the case at this point. I think this stint that he's had with Houston has done him a lot of good towards that. Towards oh, definitely. looking at him and saying, "Oh, he's he's serviceable. Like, De- let's definitely. bring him in." So, I even if he stayed with Houston for the rest of the season, I think next year he gets back into a position where he can he has choices, he has options to really make some money and you know return as being a serviceable big man. Yeah, and see, I think that he can play slightly better than what he did in Houston. Yeah. But like like you said, if if Houston was what you was going to get. Teams are definitely mm-hmm. going to give him a yeah. shot next year. But I think that he can possibly play, play even better than what we saw in Houston. Uh, that's why I'm saying, you know, if, if it's a team like Boston that needs a five, who uh-huh. get no buckets at all by throwing the ball down in the paint, yeah. then I think he takes advantage of that because he's playing with other uh, great players as well, you know, in that system. So uh, I, I still like him best in Boston. I can definitely see him in Brooklyn, but I just think that – for he far as he goes as credibility and being able to find his own shot and things of that nature, to me he just doesn't do that in Brooklyn. They could win, um, but far as him as an individual uh, crossing o- crossing off his checklist, his chest checklist things that he wanted to do this year, which is I don't want to say uh, kind of recreate himself, but just show that he still can stay healthy and play basketball. I don't think he can do that in Brooklyn. So two teams that have been listed as top landing spots for him that we haven't discussed uh, this week or last week. One of them is the San Antonio Spurs. I don't really get this one. Uh, I mean, I guess I get it for him as a player. If he, like you said, if he's just really trying to reestablish himself and show that he can, uh, he can be something close to what he once was, then yeah, all the opportunity in the world is there in San Antonio if that's the case. Uh, the other team, which is interesting to me, is the Dallas Mavericks. Um, that is an interesting one for me on two different levels. One, because if you plug him in on side of Przingis, that takes a lot of pressure off of Przingis. Uh, and what he's what he's uh, under pressure to give them on a nightly basis. Definitely. The second way that I look at it is Przingis, his name has started to be shopped around by the Dallas Mavericks to see what it is they can get uh, for him. So depending on what Przingis can bring back to a Dallas and then you replace 
basically, of Porzingis with the DeMarcus Cousins, that's also super interesting. Um, Dallas is a team that I never would have thought of. And honestly, as constructed now, I still don't really like it. But if they're mm-hmm. able to move on from Przingis and get something back for him that's better for their team and then just plug in DeMarcus Cousins, I really do like that fit. Yeah, we shall see. Um, I'm not huge on it simply because Dallas, they don't have the defensive uh, presence. To me, they're kind of more hit than miss for him as a player. I definitely like him fitting in more with with Boston. And I'll throw something at you. I would like to see him, and I think he would fit in and contribute more to the Lakers than um, what he can do with Dallas. Really? Yep. I think – he fits in better with the Lakers. I don't know. That's that's interesting to me. Like I said, I definitely see him being a fit in Dallas, even alongside Przingis, whether he's there or not. Like I say, if he's there, then you you're able to play Przingis. Um, you're able to play Przingis out of the post. Well, more well if, you, if you're telling me that I have Przingis, then yeah, I, I like the fit. You're saying without Przingis, you don't I, like it. No, I don't. No. Uh, it depends on well. It depends on what you get for him. But yeah. I'm saying, but if you're telling me we're not accepting trades for Porzingis and we're going to get Cousins, cool. But I'm but depending on what they get for him, to me that can make or break the Marcus Cousins situation with Dallas. I think I mean either way he's going to be the starting five. Like either whether Porzingis is there or not, because what. What, what you're getting back from Przingis, if, if you're Dallas, you're shopping off Przingis right now, basically because you're trying to find a wing. That's, mm-hmm. that's, the part, that's, the, that's what they need right now. They need a mm-hmm. wing. So you're trying to go and bring in a Harrison Barnes, a, a guy like that, to a Michael Porter Jr., like somebody like that who could come in and, and give you more as a three, basically. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling me that's what you get back from Przingis, then I, I still like that. With yeah, DeMarcus Cousins being there. And see, even with those two guys you just named, if you're telling me I'm getting Michael Porter Jr., eh, okay. Harrison Barnes, I definitely don't see that being successful. Well, that's not uh, going to happen because they just had Harrison Barnes. Yeah. So that's not yeah. going to happen. I just threw him out there. As I feel what you're saying. Now, if you're telling me, hey, we're going out and get Bradley Bill or somebody like that, then yeah, of course, DeMarcus Cousins is... is is going to thrive with that organization with with that great of a wing play, and we already know what Luca is. They just had, you know, they have to invest in the defensive side of the ball a little bit more to make everything come around. But what I saw from Houston, right, the Marcus Cousins in Houston, yeah. what I saw this year. Let's say, for instance, they would have got the the Lakers would have got the Marcus Cousins, right, and he would he would be in the same shape, the same condition. Uh, and he plays the same, right? Mm-hmm. What are we talking about? Like, they would have their answer at the center position. Um, to me, he's way better than what Gasol uh, will be for the remainder of this year or could be for the remainder of this year. The Marcus Cousins is night and day to me better than, than Gasol at this point. Yeah. And where we differ on that is, I, it's not that I don't think the Marcus Cousins is better than Gasol. It's just it's a it's a heightened weight thing when it comes to that. Is 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 Gasol being a seven foot, two hundred and sixty, seventy, eighty pound guy that's gonna be there and be able to do something for you in some capacity on defense that the Marcus Cousins just can't. Like we're not going to Marcus All to score, even though he can. What is Gasol gonna do for you defensively, like this year? What you mean? Like (laughs) what 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 do you mean? What presence is he? I mean, what? What? What's what the hell of a presence around the rim? He's been he, there. You're going by just his height and size. That's what you. That's what you're going by. You're not going by him actually playing defense, acts to stay in front of somebody or anything of who, that nature. Who is he not staying in front of, Reg? What game have you sat down to watch and say, "Damn, Marcus Hall just can't stay in front of Dwight Howard or like whatever it, center"? It's not necessarily that, but watching. I. I've seen time after time when he has to shift or he gets caught in pick and roll or and got my biggest thing is guys going over the top of him to lay the ball up and things of that nature. To me, he's just super slow and he you can tell he's on his last legs. Like I don't even think that's hard to see. Cousins isn't a an athlete. He's never been an athletic oh, he's to not, begin exactly. with. He's never been <laughs> athletic and 
So, like we, like, like we, when we spoke, like I told you, his IQ is was definitely keeping him on the floor, keeping him in the NBA, all those type of things. Yeah, and, and, yeah, because you said that last week, and I said that's all I need from him at this yeah. point because uh, until playoff time, you know, like that's that's all I need. Um, I think you're about the only Lakers fan right now that that's content with Gasol. To be honest with you, I think you're the only Lakers fan I speak to that don't have a problem yeah. with Gasol. <laughs> and it's not that I don't have a problem. Like I can pick. I have a problem with everybody on the team. That's including <laughs> LeBron and Anthony Davis. I can give you a problem for all of them, <laughs> but he's not. He's not the reason we have ten losses. I'll say that. Like it's not him. Okay. And that's what I – he's not losing us games. We always talk about that with quarterbacks. He's not winning nothing for us, but he damn sure ain't losing them for us either. I got you. Um, and if that changes, then hell yeah, then we got something else to talk about. I got you. Um, I want to say it was two other NBA things I wanted to talk about. One was – dang, what was it? I think it was the Przingis coming up in yeah, trade up speculation. In trade stuff, yeah. I think that was it. And the other one was, I see that the Lakers have an interest now in Hassan Whiteside. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook got waived last mm-hmm. night, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Official. So that, uh, that, and that ties the Lakers' hands with DeMarcus Cousins, too, because teams, like I said, teams can sign DeMarcus Cousins right now. Uh, outside of, I think Milwaukee can't sign him right now. The Clippers can because of hard cap situations. And if the Lakers signed him, we wouldn't be able to bring in a 15th player, which they obviously want to open up. They opened up those two spots. Well, I already had one spot open and opened up the other one with Quinn Cook to be active in the trade and the buyout market. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more of a long game than, oh, we want DeMarcus Cousins right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so cutting Quinn Cook, and then they're looking at Hassan Whiteside right now, who once again is somebody who, to me, I'm looking at and saying, "Oh, that's an absolute fit," you yeah. know. But also, when we go back to the off season, when me and you talked about them bringing in Montrez Harrell, I feel like Dwight could have stuck around if the money was what it was going to like. If he was go- if that's all you was looking for is what you got paid for in Washington, you should have just stuck around. See, now you feel like what I was saying from the beginning. Like, yeah, like, like I said, I still stand where I am I look at Marcus Saul and I look at Montrez Harrell and saying, that's fine with me, you know? But if it's... Because the situation with Mark, The problem I have with Mark, The one problem I do have with Marcus Saul, he gets in foul trouble early, every mm-hmm. game. And mm-hmm. that forces Montrez Harrell to have to play more center than what we want him to which do, can, which is which why we have to go get another center. Right. That could have been Dwight Howard. Like right. that, that, that could have already been solved, you yep. know. Easily. trouble, okay, we still got Dwight to where Montrez Harrell ain't got to get, get out here and try to guard Rudy Gobert for 20 minutes right. tonight. You know? Right. And, and that's, so, what I, that's basically what I'm saying is that the Lakers, to me, they're, they're they're vulnerable when Anthony Davis is out of the game. Period. Like once he sit down, to me, there's nobody stepping up really protecting the rim. The way that, and I, this is just me talking to you. The way yeah. when I think of a rim protector, it's kind of I kind of think more of Whiteside or or Dwight Howard, guys that are going to sell out by all costs and not allow you to you know go above them to get a shot over their extended arm or whatever. If so, it's mm-hmm. going to be a floater. But uh, we see guys literally finger-rolling the ball. I forgot what game that was I was watching there, maybe two weeks ago. Guards were literally jumping up, moving to the side, finger-rolling that thing up over Gasol. I hate that the most about any any part about Gasol's game to me. And he's not athletic. We know that. We know yeah. he's not athletic. But, but also, also, I think it's – you think it's an ability thing? I think it's an effort thing. Um, okay. which, which, which comes down to a lot of players in that, <laughs> at this point of the season on teams like that teams yeah. that know that they, they looking at the, the long game instead of the short one. And cause you see it from LeBron all the time. Look, I'm only, I'm only going to give you so much on defense because yeah. for one, we can win without it. But for two, I'm trying to be there in June. I you know, and see, I see it more of a father time thing. Like if you tell me that a guy's going to start slowing down at 34, 35 years old, I go. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, but then, and then you say, well, this guy's a center. He's a seven-footer. He wasn't athletic to start with. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, his, this is right on time. Yeah. Um, 
And once again, I don't I don't disagree with that. Time will tell which one yeah. of us is looking at it correctly, you know, because yeah. it could definitely go either way on that. Yeah, I got you. But um, yeah, I, uh, that's all that I had for today, NBA wise. Uh, of course, we wrapped up our NFL talk. Next week, we'll come with another team. Next week, we'll also come with uh, another position group to tackle uh, when it comes to NFL free agency. Um, and I want to say the NBA may be on break by the time we get together because mm-hmm. I know they're doing an all-star. They're yep. still doing an all-star weekend yep. or whatever. So they'll probably be on break. So we should have more to talk about. That uh, trade deadline for the NBA is coming up quick. Mm-hmm. Today uh, was the first day teams were able to start – tagging NFL players. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I saw a report earlier that said Dallas is so confident in Dak uh, in Dak's uh, rehab Stop. that they still really want to hammer out a long-term deal with them. So yeah. we'll see how that plays out. That's definitely something to talk about going forward. Yeah. But that's all I have for today, man. That's it. Don't be surprised if Cousins find a way to L.A. They said that they're not interested in cousins however they are monitoring the situation um i just don't want to give up hope on that i really think that there's a chance that he can possibly uh reunite with the lakers yeah and i <laughs> at this point like i say it seems like a match made in heaven right mm-hmm. but once again when you look at it from a demarcus cousins point of view when you're saying well he still has something to prove because once again this is what his second or third year on a mm-hmm. one-year deal Mm-hmm. He trying to get back to you know having that security of being mm-hmm. with a team turn something weird that just came across my screen too with the Texans releasing Kelamete uh, Kel- the guard you remember him oh wow really they released uh, what oh, it was really, two, yeah. three two seasons three, ago. Mm-hmm. and he was a he man he played guard center he played a little yeah, bit there. one so. of the guys we like to have coming off of our bench so I wouldn't be surprised if we get back in that market. Yeah, uh, so that was definitely <laughs> interesting to see coming across my screen. But yep. yeah, that's it for today, man. Got you, man. Good show, Sid. Appreciate y'all. I'm in the lead. You boys not in my league. If you listen close, I'm coaching. Take keys to the boy. Hella dope without pushing a blanco. Still stabbing bitches like 94 in the Bronco. If it's about the money, I'm leaving them hoes pronto. If I don't do nothing, I'm about Lonzo. 